0: In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's a completely different start than any other gospel. And let me tell you, John's start to his gospel, it's epic. It's incredible because Matthew and Mark, they start at kind of the logical place. Or sorry, Matthew and Luke, they start at the logical place, place, the birth of Jesus when he's born to the Virgin Mary. Uh, In in, uh, Mark... It starts even later on. It starts at the baptism of Jesus, but not John. No, John, he has to take it back, way back, all the way back to the very beginning. And he places Jesus right there at the moment of creation. It's this epic beginning to the gospel that helps us to understand Jesus as God in a totally new way. There's really no other passage in the Bible quite like this one. In fact, in fact, it's hard to find even good examples in human history that are as significant as this kind of statement. There's really no second place, right? That's the best one. And there's no real second place, but if we had to define a, a very distant second in terms of kind of epic, uh, just galaxy kind of moments, maybe it would look a little like this one. Yeah, some of you remember this. How many were there in theaters? How many of you, 1977, you were there? Yeah, we, we have a lot of old people, don't we? That's true. But in 1977, Star Wars comes out, and it was an epic moment in the history of film, was it not? I mean, George Lucas invites us in to this amazing sci-fi fantasy world, right? Uh, Characters such as Chewbacca and R2-D2 and Luke Skywalker and all this. And even if you are not a fan of Star Wars, you have to admit this was an epic moment, right? This is a moment in our history that, that will be remembered for a long, long time. But John 1, it's got more staying power than Star Wars, let me tell you, because it puts Jesus back at the very beginning. It puts Jesus at the beginning when God himself, God the Father, is doing his creative work. Imagine what it would have been like to be there. God spoke, and it happened. God spoke, and, and, and the world came into being, right? God spoke words to this little tiny rock that we live on here we call planet Earth. He spoke, and light separated from darkness, water separated from dry land. The land becomes filled with with creatures and with plants, as do the seas. God speaks again, and humanity comes into existence, created in the image of God, created with love. Created with thoughtfulness by an intelligent creator. And John looks at Jesus and he says, here's where he was at. You thought maybe he just came to Mary and Joseph? Uh, That wasn't really his beginning. It began a whole lot further back than John. So he begins and he helps us to see that Jesus is, is the light. He's the light of life. in in this God, in this series, it's called Christmas lights. And we're going to talk about how Jesus is this incredible light of the world. And today we're going to focus on how he is the light of life who was there in the very beginning. Here's how John says it. Remember, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made. John reminds us that our God is not this distant being. No, he came to our this planet he came to this planet he walked this place with you and with me but isn't it interesting he starts off and he refers to Jesus as the word the word you ever wondered why would he say that why didn't he just say hey his name was Jesus, right? Well, because John is the last gospel writer to, to write his gospel. Matthew, Mark, and Luke had been written already at this time. John was aware of those gospels, historians believe. And, and so John set out to kind of give us a, a, a different angle on Jesus, not one that conflicts, no one that complements, that helps us to understand Jesus uh, more in a different way, perhaps, than we had before. So that's why John starts it all the way back. John wrote to an audience that wasn't just Jewish, right? It wasn't just the, the, the Christians were not just in Jerusalem and Judea and this kind of area. No, they had followed Jesus' commands and they were expanding throughout the entire Roman Empire. So John is writing both to a Jewish audience, but but also to a, a Greek audience. To, to audience who was not familiar with the same scriptures that the Jews had been familiar with. And he, and he brings this, this, this phrase or this name for Jesus. He calls him the word. Why? Well, because it was a familiar term. To the Jewish people, they knew all about the word of God. They loved the word of God. Our Old Testament is their scriptures. They studied the word. They memorized the word. They, they'd wear it on their foreheads, on their, strapped on their arm. They, they knew the word and they loved it. They knew that when God spoke in the beginning that the world was created by his word. There's so many other experiences with the power of God's word. Like, for example, when they were enslaved in Egypt and Moses came and he spoke God's word to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. And Pharaoh did. And they were, they were freed and they were sent to the promised land. They, he, they knew about the power of this word, a word that would come and it would it would challenge kings. It would come through prophets. It would call the people to faithfulness time after time after time the word. They knew all about it. The Greeks knew about the word too, but not like the Jews did. You see, there was this philosopher who lived hundreds of years before Jesus. His name was Heraclitus, and and Heraclitus uh, is somebody he predated Plato and Aristotle. In fact, his writings would influence them. And he believed that the world was a very chaotic place. (laughs) We understand why, right? He was looking at the same type of world we are, and he said, "This is there's a lot of chaos, a lot of you know, it's hard to predict." He famously said, "You can never step twice into the same river." it's always flowing, it's always changing, and that's what the world is like. But there was one thing Heraclitus believed that was constant, and that was logos, translated the word. The word He believed that in the beginning, that the word was there. And the word he defined as the study of philosophy and science and math and all these things. And this is what could unify people. He believed this was what had created the world by fire. It's different than our way of thinking, but this is where he was at. So he had influenced Greek thinking to understand this concept of a word that had been there and that was still there, that would be something that would unify a divine people. So John starts out and he says, in the beginning was the Word. And everybody says, yep, we agree. The Jews say, yep, God's Word right there in the beginning, spoken, creating, changing, all of these kind of things, the Word of God. We believe it and we love it. And the Greeks say, yep, just like Heraclitus taught us, right? The word—it was there from the beginning. The word unifies us even today in the midst of this chaotic world. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. And John writes, "The word was God." Now we're not unified anymore. Time out, John. The word in the beginning, cool. Word with God, sure, fine. The word was God? Uh, wait a minute. The Jews say, no, 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 we, the, the Lord, here we are, the Lord our God, the Lord our God is one. There's not another God here, right? What are you talking about? And, and the Greeks say, oh, gods, <laughs> you don't want to get into that. The, the gods are not necessarily good in the Greek understanding. They fight with each other, and sometimes they cause problems for people and all this stuff. And John says, no, let me tell you about Jesus. I want to tell you about God in a way that you've never understood him before. I want to tell you about a God who loves this world so much. He's actually, he's triune, he's father, he's son, he's Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God, all 100% God is this mystery. And I want to tell you about this God who left heaven, who came down to to this earth. Why? Because it's dark. It's messed up. Humans have sinned. They've... They've taken this world in a direction that God did not want it to go. It was not God's will. And so God comes to meet us in the middle of that. John says, in him, Jesus was life. And that life was the light to all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You know... We're in that time of year where the days get shorter and shorter, right? And the nights get longer and longer. And and it's easy to feel kind of depressed, kind of sad, struggling even. And as we look at our broader world, we say, oh, there's so much chaos. There's so much disagreement, so much just tension and difficulty. It feels dark. It feels dark sometimes. We see... We see children abused. We see marriages breaking up. We see injustices all around. We see the poor go hungry and uncared for. Sin feels like a a wrecking ball that's just wrecking God's good world. But John, he speaks some hope into this darkness. Because John teaches us that the light is stronger than the darkness. The light is stronger than the darkness. It's like the, the, the darkness, it can't overcome light, right? John lays out all of Star Wars theology right here, right? The darkness is not going to beat the light. You know how this works. You walk into a dark room. You flip on a switch. You've never seen darkness and light doing battle in the middle of the room, right? To see, will it be light or will it not? No, Once the light kicks on, darkness is gone, because the light is stronger than the darkness. And John tells us that Jesus is the light of life. He is the light of life. It's like We were kind of stumbling along in darkness. Imagine yourself, you're out out in the dark, maybe out in a field or out in the woods or something like this, and you're walking and you're stumbling and and you're struggling, and all of a sudden from above, a bright light shines down on you. Is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? Well, it depends. Are you lost or are you a criminal? Because if you're a criminal, it's not such good news, right? Because you're busted. But if you're lost, this light is good news. We're all lost in the darkness of sin. And the truth is, we're all criminals in our sin as well. But Jesus is the one who paid the price. And so this light, it brings mercy. It brings grace. It brings forgiveness as we receive the gift, the gift of this light. There was once a guy who experienced darkness in a way that most of us hopefully will never, never will. Uh, his name was Daryl Dory, and on June 1st, 1975, Daryl was working on an oil rig out in the uh, Gulf of Mexico. And that day, something went wrong, and the oil rig began to, to wobble, and it tipped, and it crashed into the ocean. Daryl found himself stuck in a room in a, a sinking oil rig, and the room was, was filling up with, with water. Terrified, Daryl's thrashing around, and, and by a miracle of God, he happens to find a, uh, an air pocket in the corner of this room, the way that, that it had sunk. And so he thrusts his head up into this air and begins to breathe. And as he breathes, he begins to pray out loud and desperately, crying out to God. And as he did, something remarkable happened. Let me read Daryl's exact quote to you. He said, I found myself actually talking to someone. Jesus was there with me. There was nothing physical, but I sensed him, a comforting presence. He was real. He was there. For the next 22 hours, Daryl would sit with his head up in this air bubble and he would pray to Jesus. Eventually, the oxygen became less and less, and Daryl was struggling to breathe, and he knew that death was imminent. He looked, and he saw in the distance a light coming towards him, and he thought, this is it. This is how it ends. I'm hallucinating. But he wasn't. That light was coming from a diver's helmet. Daryl was saved. He was rescued. The light had come and had met him right there in the darkness. John says the true light that gives light, true life that gives light to the world was coming. Jesus came down from heaven to save people like you and me, who were stuck in the darkness of our sin, who were trapped, who were. The Bible tells us that the the only thing that sin gets us is death, eternal death. But the gift of God is eternal eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hear me, friends. The world cannot, it cannot stop the light of Jesus Christ. The world cannot extinguish the light of Christ. Amen? It can't. Any more than darkness can extinguish the light. The world cannot extinguish the light of Christ that life that light it shines in the darkness. It shines in the darkest places of this world. It shines in prison camps. It shines on the abused and the hurting. It shines in the midst of poverty. It shines in the midst of brokenness. It shines in hospital rooms. It shines in hospice care centers. It shines even in funeral homes. This light cannot be stopped. You can, you can mock it, you can spit on it and beat it, you can crucify this light, but you can't stop him. You can put him in a tomb, you can try to shut him up, but let me tell you, on the third day, that light is unstoppable. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and he is the light of the world. He is the light in your darkness. He's the light in the midst of whatever you're going through right now. And you might say, John, you don't know what I'm going through. And you're right, I don't. But Jesus does, and he cares. He cares so deeply for you that he would come down from heaven, that he would would walk this earth, that he would go through pain and sickness of his friends, death even of some of his friends. He would go through abandonment by his friends. He himself would be beaten, crucified. He knows what it's like to hurt. And he gave himself for you and for me. And when we flip on that light, when we say, Jesus, come into my heart, I need you. I need you to forgive me of my sins. I need you to, to transform my life. I need you to make me a new creation. That's what he does because he's faithful. And his words are true. And I invite you in this Advent series to to maybe to reconsider who Jesus is. As we read God's word, as we study it together over the coming weeks, would you come at it with a, an open heart saying, Jesus, would you speak to me? Show yourself to me. Show yourself to me in power. Help me to see you in a new way. One more thing. It's... When we experience this light, it's not just about a personal thing for me and, and, and for you. No, it's really about the rest of the world as well. Because Jesus did this amazingly crazy thing, right? He came down. He lived here. He, he gave his life for us, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and then he left. And he left the mission in our hands. I said, well, that's crazy. He should have given it to somebody else. Well, he gave it to us. He trusted us with it. So he's the light of the world, right? And we are the lamps who get to shine that light in all of the dark places in the world. And that's our job. It's our responsibility as followers of Jesus to be shining this light of life wherever we go. And you're gonna go out and you're gonna go into some dark places. Maybe you say, oh, my work, it's a dark place or my neighborhood, it's a dark place or my family or whatnot. You get to be that lamp. You get to be that, that lamp of this incredible light of Christ who can shine through you. What a gift it is that we have to offer. And you know, church, this is all of us together. We come together to do this. We do it uh, here in, in contemporary. We do it in traditional. We do it at Salem, right? Uh, we, we, we share this light whether we are younger, whether we are older. We share this light in our children's ministry, in our team teen, teens' ministry. We share it in UMW or in ARM, right? We, we, we share it uh, whether we're Star Wars fans or we're not Star Wars fans. We share it if we're, if we're Bearcats. We share it if we're Buckeyes. We share it even if we're Wolverines. We still share it, right? We share it if we're wildcats from Kentucky, right? Because Jesus is the light, and he calls all of us, all of us together to come and to shine this light because the world needs to see it. You know, church, it's one thing to talk about it, to get excited about it here. That's all good. I love doing that. It's another thing to go out and shine it, though, and that's our job. We've... Uh, We've still got a few empty seats, right? And that means we got some work to do. We need to. We we we've got space for others. You might be saying, "Well, I don't know. It's a scary time to invite people to church, or I worship online. How do I invite them?" Well, worship online, real simple. You can share this in your social media. In fact, we'll put something in the chat now. Um, that just here's the link by which you can click and share it with your friends, right? Um, invite them to join you at church next weekend. Uh, Say, hey, I'll I'll be there. I'll I'll join you in the comments, right? Or maybe if you're here in person with us, you invite folks to come with you. And if they're not comfortable, that's fine. Uh, They can join us online. Whatever it is, don't let this season, don't let this time in our world stop you from inviting others. Because the light's still shining. And the world still needs to see and to receive that light. And Jesus wants to use you. So, God, would you do that? Would you shine through us, Lord? We confess that oftentimes we're kind of broken and, and, and uh, maybe even scared vessels, and we think other people are going to do it. But Lord, you have trusted us with your truth, with your word, and I pray that you'd help us to be faithful in sharing your life, your light with this world. God, we love you so much, and we pray this all in Jesus' holy name, amen.